السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد we'd like to invite you to our next session of refinement of the soul and we'll start again with some of the Quran we were on Surah Baqara and verse number 41 A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem Bismillahir rahmanir rahim Wa aminu bima anzaltu musaddiqan lima ma'akum wa la takunu wa la takunu awwala kafirin bih wa la tashtaru biayati thamanan qalila وَإِيَّايَ فَاتَّقُونَ وَلَا تَلْبِسُوا الْحَقَّ بِالْبَاطِلِ وَتَكْتُمُوا الْحَقَّ وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ صدق الله العظيم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says And believe in that which I have revealed to you Acknowledging that which is with you or accepting that which is with you and do not be the first to disbelieve in it and do not buy by my verses a small amount or significant amount significant insignificant amount and it is me that you should fear and do not mix truth with falsehood and you hide the truth whereas you know so here allah ta'ala advises with several things and we discussed earlier that in the last verse allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he commanded us or commanded the bani israel he's actually like i said uh, yesterday he is speaking to the Bani Israel, but we are also indirectly being addressed as well. That when he speaks to the Bani Israel, he says, Remember the bounties that I've given you, the bounties that I favored you with. Right? So, among them, or he, he says, It is me that you should fear. In other words, what are those commandments? What What is, or not instead of it is me that you should fear, where Allah Ta'ala said in the last verse that, fulfill the promise or the pledge that you made to me so in the same manner uh, in, in in continuing from that what is the pledge that you would follow my commandments and what are some of those commandments so he starts off with belief the first thing is belief belief in what I have revealed so believe in that which I have revealed and the word musaddiqa I mentioned that it uh, acknowledges in other words it supports that which was which is uh, with you so here He's speaking to the Bani Israel saying that believe in that which I've revealed. In other words, the Quran that I've revealed. And it supports what uh, what is with you already. In other words, the Torah. And what that means that the, the Quran supports the subjects of the Torah. The same subjects, the same matters that came in the uh, Torah. The Quran expresses the exact same subjects. And we know that the underlying principal subject matter 
of Allah's revelation is mainly three. Number one, Tawheed, believe in Allah. Number two, Risala, prophethood of the different prophets. And number three, Akhirah, the all the basically the afterlife. So these are the three main underlying um, mess- messages that the Quran gives that all of the wahi of Allah, whether it be Tawrat, Injil, Zabur, or Quran gives that believe in Allah Ta'ala as one, believe in the messengers that have come and, and, and follow their example, and prepare for the Akhir and the afterlife. These are the three main subjects. So just as the Torah came to deliver those three subjects, the Quran comes to comes to give the same subject. So the Quran is similar to the Torah and the Injil and the Zabur and all these revelations are the same in that manner. And don't and then he says, don't become the first to reject. In other words, there's two things here. One is that Allah has favored you so much. He's given you so much as Yahud, as Bani Israel. He's given you more than everyone else with the most profits, with the most bounties, food from Jannah. And, you know, so much he's given. So if you reject, then you would be a bigger sinner. So in the same manner, in the same manner, when we as Muslims have so much, Allah has given us so, given us so much, and then we reject or we object, or we become lazy in our actions, then this is more of a sin than the normal person uh, rejecting or objecting or not acting upon the commandments and the dictates of the Quran and the Sunnah. And um, another point to draw from here is that when don't be the first to object, to, uh, to reject, because anyone that follows after the the sin of that person we become a means of the sin of that person not that we we get their sin but we become a means of that sin and therefore becoming a means is the is a sin itself becoming a means is a sin itself and then after that Allah Ta'ala says wala tashtaru bi ayati thamanan qalila this is very interesting i said don't buy by my verse you know insignificant uh, commodity in other words don't trade for Allah's verses uh, in don't make don't trade it for something that is cheap. In other words, what they did was they would uh, change. They would change the Torah, right? The verses that mentioned Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's description, or verses that had commanded them to do certain things, or verses that um, spoke about punishment in regards to those who would commit sin. They would change it sometimes, or they would hide it at times, so the elite would not have to face those punishment. Or when they were lazy and their elite among them did not feel like doing actions. Or when people came to bribe them that, you know, I'll pay you this much amount. Just change the ruling for me. So then they would, uh, they would do this. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, don't, don't trade Allah's verses for a small or insignificant price. Because the reality is you're trading it for Jahannam. That's what you're doing. And the same message for us also is that when the Quran says something, we might be lazy about it. We might not feel like doing it. This is our weakness of iman. Don't 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 make up things and don't try to make excuses or don't try to now reinterpret the Quran or interpret it in your own way. So this is the dangerous part. This is the dangerous. But this this verse is very. All these verses are important, but this is extremely important in the sense that sometimes we compromise our ideals, our principles, because some uncle said something, some auntie said something, or or because uh, what how will society look at me? How will the community look at me? What will people say? Or the fact that I'm, you know, in a business or I'm in some, uh, you know, some atmosphere at work or in school 
where if I say something or if I do something, people will judge me, or that uh, if I if I if I keep if I if I shave my beard or if I trim my beard, if I shave or trim my beard, then maybe I'll get this job, or it, maybe if I if I wear my hijab and I go to uh, this interview, I won't get my job. For example, so this is, these are all the same. Allah Taala is saying that don't trade Allah's verses, or you can say Allah's commands, or even the Sunnah of Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for something so insignificant, for a few extra dollars that of this job you may get, or this uh, you know business deal that you'll probably get, or you know you leave the commands of Allah Taala because you have to go to work, so now you leave your salah. So don't trade the deen of Allah for anything else. And when Allah says qalila, qalil means small, little. In other words, anything insignificant. The whole dunya we know to Allah is insignificant. The whole dunya, everything in it is insignificant. So there's nothing in dunya you can trade for Allah's commands or the sunnah of Rasul Nothing is worth it. Nothing is worth trading your deen in. So don't compromise and trade your deen for anything of dunya, nothing at all. So when you know, even if your own parents say, don't do this, and you know this is deen. Then you could, that you have the full right to object, reject, and disobey at that even at that point as well. In the same way, sometimes our, like I said in the Quran, Allah Taala says, your own spouses, your own children will be your enemies at times. So when your children uh, or your spouses are enemies, in other words, when they are the means of you of you not practicing your deen, you can then you should disobey them, and if if need be that a person becomes a obstacle for the person to practice their deen, you should get rid of such a person. We've seen uh, many instances where a husband and wife, uh, the wife is a means or the husband is a means of them leaving their, their the amal, for example, leaving their salah or, uh, or uh, you know, not wearing the hijab or cutting their beard or, you know, looking uh, or mixing with the opposite gender because we have to socialize with others. So if this becomes... Uh, a norm then we should leave such a person who becomes a means or an obstacle for me to practice deen and then instead of worrying about people worrying about society and worrying about my boss worrying about what my classmates will say what my colleagues will say Allah says it right there and it is me that you should fear that you should worry about displeasing you should worry about what Allah will think about you you should worry about what Allah will say to you you should worry about what Allah how you hurt Allah and displeased Him instead of your boss or your parents or your spouse or your child or your parents. In the beginning also, where Allah says, Believe in that which I have revealed to you, which supports that which is with you. This also indicates to us that our belief should be proper. And what this means is that our aqidah should be correct. Our aqidah should be correct. We must correct our aqidah. We must fix our aqidah. We must learn our aqidah. What is our aqidah in Islam? In order to do that, we need to make ta'aleem of books on belief and faith. A question comes to mind is that Allah Ta'ala talks about how the Qur'an is very similar to the Torah. Then how come there's changes, right? So definitely, the Qur'an's underlying message is the same of the oneness of Allah following the messenger, messengers and preparing for the Akhirah. However, because of times and eras, Allah Ta'ala can change the subdivisional differences, not the underlying principles. He will never change that. But subdivisional principles or those uh, that are branched out, there can be changes. And this is not going against. If, for example, in the Sharia and the law of Musa and Isa, there was a certain law and we don't have it anymore. 
we're not rejecting those laws. We're saying those were abrogated and new one is following. So believing in those laws as abrogated, this is also believing in those laws and those books as well. So some of the rules have been abrogated and new rules have been take, have taken place. So it is not that we are rejecting those rules. In, in case a person says, look, Allah here himself is telling you, don't be the first to disbelieve in these verses. So why do you, O Muslims, disbelieve in the verses of Torah? So this is not true. It is because Allah says it in the very Quran also, and in in, in that you know certain times in the verses will come soon. Allah Taala abrogates uh, certain verses with others, and in the next verse also has quite a bit of meaning that is uh, that is very connected to today's discussion. But I don't want to continue because we can uh, we don't have that much time, and we want to uh, do the ta'lim of the next book, inshallah. Under the uh, same chapter where we were discussing the blessings and favors of the barzakh, meaning the, the afterlife, the, the time uh, after we're buried, we did the first hadith where we spoke about how um, the Aisha had asked or she was worried about the, you know, the gruesome scene of Munkar and nakir So the next hadith from Abu Sa'id Khudri radiallahu an. عن أبي سعيد الخضري رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا دفن العبد المؤمن قال له القبر مرحبا وأهلا أما إذا كنت أما إن كنت لأحب من يمشي على ظهري إلي فإذا دليتك اليوم وصرت إلي ف... فسترى صنعي بك فيتسع له مد بصره ويفتح له باب إلى الجنة قال وقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم القبر روضة من رياض الجنة أو حفرة من حفر النار أخرجه الترمذي The next hadith and we will just suffice with this for today inshallah is that Abu Sayyid Khudr radiallahu anhu narrates that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said when a Muslim is buried the grave says to him marhaban wa ahlan welcome you are the most beloved to me from among those who walked on the surface of me today when I've been made your servant and you've come to me you will observe my dealing with you then it expands for him as far as his eyes can see and it opens him for him a door to Jannah subhanallah Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa also said the qabr the grave is either a grave Either a garden from among the gardens of Jannah, in other words, for the pious people, or it can be a pit from the pits of Jahannam, hell, for the sinful people. So, uh, the, the grave being a garden of paradise or a pit of hell, this is on us. Firstly, we have to, uh, uh, we have to again, come move, turn back to Allah Ta'ala, fix our souls, fix our lives, come back into doing good deeds. And we have to, uh, you know, before we die, we have to send enough deeds to the qabr. Because in another hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says that when a person goes to the grave, when a person goes to the akhirah, then his family, his wealth, they all leave behind. But he takes one thing with him, and that is his actions. So that's why we have to beautify our actions. We have to send more actions, give more time to the building of our akhirah. We spend so much time to the building of our dunya, so much time for studying exams, so much time... Uh, working and making money, so much time earning degrees and jobs and, and, and you know going af after buying houses and cars, 
So much time we're giving to the building of our dunya, how much time are we giving to the building of the akhirah? So that's why we have to give more time now. It's not that we're giving equivalent time, we should be giving more time now towards building our akhirah. Now, just like we would give a certain time for dunya, we would, some of us would give a little bit of time for akhirah. I think this pandemic is a time, and it's a time for us to realize and change that. Now, either we should equally give the same amount or give more time to the akhirah and less time to dunya. And may Allah give us that realization. One, I call it qabr hack. One qabr hack that we'd like to give. It's very simple, very easy. If a person recites Surah Mulk every night, and this is what I've been stressing every single day, then that Surah Mulk will protect him in the Qabr from the pain and, and the punishment of the Qabr. So we need to make an effort to read Surah Mulk. Make sure, please, today, let's read our Surah Mulk. If we haven't read our Yaseen, read our Yaseen. Do the, the 600 Tasbihat, and Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, inshaAllah.